you or someone you love needs help for an addiction, where do you turn? Foundations Recovery Network offers individualized treatment for the whole person. Our goal goes beyond short-term sobriety. We address substance abuse and co-occurring mental health issues together, providing a firm foundation for long-term recovery. The first step is often the hardest, but we're here with a free assessment, insurance information, and treatment options. Our confidential helpline is available 24-7, so call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today. Yo, what's up? This is Jacoby from Papa Roach. This is Ryan Lee. This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to Silver Guy Radio. What's up? Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. Uh, Super stoked uh, to be a part of this awesome recovery movement going on from the West Coast to the East Coast and abroad. Uh, So much love to all you out there. And uh, especially for those of you vets who felt paved the way for uh, us in recovery, going down our own path and our own journey. And uh, we're doing our part to, to give back to down the line. It's that domino effect. A couple of announcements. And then we're going to get to our guest today, uh, my homie Mike Gambo, who I'm super stoked to talk about. He's got an awesome story and uh, some some great things and great work that he's doing in the music industry as well as the recovery industry. Uh, we're going to be in Nashville June 19th and 20th for the Innovations and Behavioral Healthcare Conference that's coming up in uh, just, a, just a couple of weeks. Um, we're going to be doing some shows, connecting with some great people. If you want more information on the event or how you can get tickets to go to the Foundation's uh, Behavioral Healthcare Conference, go to foundationsevents.com and you can check out the speaker list. There's a ton of great speakers, uh, great opportunities to, to connect with people uh, in, in recovery, in the recovery industry. Uh, big thanks to Foundations for having us out, of course. Um, one of the tools that I use is Transitions Daily. Uh, It's a daily AA email and it's delivered right to my inbox. It's simple. It's free. um, It it really does help me start my day and I would highly recommend it to you out there uh, if you want a great, easy way uh, to start your day. So for more information, you can go to dailyaaemails.com. You can sign up there and they'll deliver that shit right to your inbox every damn day and you'll have a great way to wake up and get your day started. All right. So today's guest is Mike Gambo. Mike's a writer, he's a hip-hop artist, he's also the co-owner of Hood Hippie Entertainment, and he works for uh, Transformations Treatment Center, and also helps with their recovery music uh, program, Soundpath Recovery. Now in his early 20s, Mike struggled with addiction to opiates, Uh, he's now been clean and sober since 2012, and Mike uses his past experiences, his talents through music, as a way to help and encourage others out there looking for a better life free from addiction. Uh, Mike is out in Florida, and uh, that's why I, I was excited to uh, to say in the little intro from the West Coast to the East Coast, because we really are coming together uh, all across the the nation and the world to uh, to help bring some light and uh, and and some hope, I guess, to uh, this addiction epidemic and crisis that's going on all over the place. So, Mike, what's up, my man? Uh, really good to have you on the show today. How are you? What's up, bud? I'm good, man. Can't complain. Yes, dude. You got lots of good things going on. You and I met uh, down in San Diego at the Foundations Conference down there, uh, which was cool, man. And uh, it was funny. Right, I remember right when you came up and you said, what's up, man? I'm Mike. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually a musician. I'm a hip-hop artist. And I remember the first time I heard you speak, I was like, oh, dude's got a dude's got a good voice. It's that baritone voice, man. It's some good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, what? How, how long have you, uh, have you been in, uh, in, in the hip-hop game and creating music? Uh... T- man that's like uh that's like a story in itself like mm. i um when i was in long story short basically like my parents got a computer mm-hmm. back in the day and like this is like you know we're talking god we're talking like 16 years ago you know and and they used to like <laughs> when they sold computers so like comp usa they used to give you like this sample pack of like yeah. cds and programs like cd roms um <laughs> and they had like a music 
uh, production one uh-huh. that was just like in the bundle, and I started playing with it, and it, like I, I started making beats, and you know I was pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, kind of just snowballed from there to like I opened up a little studio, and then I didn't really start rapping until I was about like. I'd say like 17, 18. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's been a while. It's been probably about 15 years I've been nice. involved, but I'd say serious for a few years, you yeah. know, basically yeah. after I got sober and was like, you know what, I have this passion. Let me try to do something with it. I'm just stoked that you dropped Comp USA. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. so funny, bro, because, yeah, I, I totally re- I remember that shit, too. And, like, they had the little sample packs and you could get, like, I don't even remember what any of the programs might have been but just playing around with it and um you know i can remember my my old uh tascam four track cassette and sitting in my apartment and just like messing around with it and trying to mix things together man and th- those are good times man that's where the roots the roots really come from and really start yeah yeah it was uh yeah like i said it you know i think it was called uh magic's music maker mm. or uh yeah, it's like a, it was like an old like loop <laughs> it was like a uh gave you like a bunch of loops and yeah. you could like chop down the loop it was basically like a sampling yeah that's like all it was you know so that's that that's how i started the music so you had uh you know and i had checked out some of your music and we'll have the links to that in the show notes for those out there listening um the soundcloud mike's got a ton of music on there um one of the ones that i recently saw um is mike did a video for missing uh, the song missing and the video is, is sick. And I'm going to let Mike here explain a little bit to you about the video. And, uh, and then we're going to play a quick little sample of the song. Cause I want you guys out there listening to hear, um, uh, what's going on, um, in, in Mike's writing style, the creation, and then the message that's going out there, because I, I'm almost positive that many of us have been in that same spot. So, um, tell us a little bit about the video, uh, missing Mike, and then we're going to get into, uh, some, some more of your story and some more about the work you're doing also after that. Sure. Yeah, it was, um, that song was off of my EP. The most recent one I just dropped called, uh, dual perspective, which is, um, the kind of theme behind it is, is, um, it's not only about addiction, it's about, like about a lot of social stuff, um, political stuff also. It's kind yeah. of like seeing things from all angles, like, you know, like I understand um, the perspective of, uh, of people that are poor and broke and, and struggling. I also understand the perspective of, you know, people that may not ever experience that because I don't experience that any longer, but I kind of see things from the middle. Yeah, um, yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like not everybody's right. Not everybody's wrong. They're all right yeah. from their own perspective. Um, so that's kind of the theme behind it. But Missing was like a song that I really wanted to like take myself back to like that breaking point, like, you know, where I was at when just just like that. I mean, anybody that feels it just like that emptiness that I had, like, that's pretty much what the song is about is like feeling like I'm always missing something and I never knew what it was. And I tried to fill that with all types of stuff. And it wasn't until like I, I had this spiritual awakening and I found God that I realized like, that's what I've been missing my whole life is yeah. that, that love of God, you know? So, um, I mean, you know, it's, it's like pretty, like, you know, every, anybody in recovery that's heard it has been like, I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, dude, for but sure. also people not in recovery. You know, I have yep. a lot of friends that aren't in recovery that everybody I think has a point in their life where they just feel like, they do not fit in or they're missing something or what is it that I need to find to make myself complete, you know? And that's kind of what the song's about. I love that you said that too, man, because I heard this, um, I heard this probably, I don't know, maybe a year or two back and it's something that's always stuck with me. And, um, it, it, it was, it was a guy and he told me that a, a man's soul is so big that there's nothing that can fulfill that soul except the spirit of God. So if we're trying to run through, you know, cars and money and drugs and sex and all those things that we feel in this worldly spot that, um, you know, make us feel good or make us feel important or fulfill us or whatever it is, we still get that empty feeling. And I know, um, I think that's why, just like you said, so many people in recovery and those out of recovery can relate to the song because, um, it really does express that. So let me, uh, let me let me hit the hit play here real quick and let's let's listen to a little bit of this mic. Thanks man. All right. Mm-hmm. 
guys, once again, this is off the uh, the EP Dual Perspective, and this will be in the show notes so you can find it and check it out and more of the songs on there too. Through my trials and tribulations, I was waiting on a blessing. Head barely above water through this wave of depression. Doctor got me hooked on these meds and he dispensing. But without him, I felt crazy with no way to break the tension. No matter what I did, I kept going in that direction. Heart full of hatred and able to display affection. Wishing I would die, God delaying my ascension. Not knowing he had plans for me once I gave him attention. I ain't see this blessing, I was living with my eyes low. Liquor in my liver, shoving pills in my pie hole. Something kept me living, wishing for the day that I go Pistol in my mouth, too pussy to let the shot blow I'm glad I made it through the storm and got to see his vision Cause many lives lost from the way that I was living God's sense of humor sometimes feels sickening Cause I had to lose myself just to find what I was missing It's strange Man, how many of us out there can relate to some of that, man? Um, if not all of it um, It's just, uh, it's real, it's raw uh, Mike, what does it what does it make you feel like like when you hear that shit back? Obviously, um, I know how it is recording stuff and you record it over and over and over sometimes and trying to get it just right. And so, my point being, you hear you know you may hear the song over and over, but I know for me, um, it always tends to bring back something different. At the same time, it brings back uh, some of those old feelings. Um, what what does that do for you when you hear that song? It just uh, you know to be honest, it just keeps everything real for me um that whole the 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 kind of story with that whole um ep was i got an opportunity to go on tour um and i was focusing more on all the other artists within hood hippie um i kind of fell back for like a year just to focus on pushing other artists and getting some business stuff in in you know um just up to par and, and i wasn't really focused on my solo career and i got an opportunity and i had six weeks to make an ep um so i could have something to push while i'm on tour so like that whole ep including that song was like a lot of times with music you know especially when you are trying to make it a career like you try to overthink stuff and like what is going to be a hit you know like is this song gonna you know if i put a bridge here and a hook here and and do this kind of tone is that going to be a, a radio hit you know and with this project it was like i don't have time to overthink this yeah. like i literally just have to like throw a beat on and just let the pen move and whatever comes out record it and move to the next one so like it was a very natural thing for me like it was it was just very real like that is yeah. there is no i'm not saying that to target a recovery audience you know it's not like a marketing scheme it was like this is real. Like, this is how I was. This is where I was at. And this is how I felt. I I think it, I think it definitely speaks volumes to that man. And it comes across like that. And I think that's, um, I know for me, that's why it resonated so much because it was real. It was raw and it was right in your face. And it was like, this is, this is how it is. And and I, I love that you, that you kind of, um, talk about that and just getting in there and putting it down. Um, don't you kind of find that, that when you're, when you're do that or when you're forced to do that almost, that that's when some of the best content comes out because it's, it's that real creative process. Like you said, it's not a gimmick. It's not a gimmick scheme. It's not for marketing. It's not for anything. It's, this is, this is what it is. And if you like it, great. If you don't kind of like fuck off anyways, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have, um, you know, I have some songs that like I made because I thought that's what people wanted to hear. And I mean, they're good songs. Like I have some songs right now um, in I have a song right now in rotation um, on the radio in Florida, you know, um, that was a single off the Hood Hippie compilation last year. And it's more of a party song, you know, and uh, it's the same old thing. I'm not talking about using drugs, but I'm talking about, you know, like taking your girl and got the money and got the clothes and (laughs) yeah, you know, so but um, it's funny, like as soon as I this project really made me see things from like a different, a different perspective. Um, no pun intended. So like (laughs) it was, uh, (laughs) it was one of those things where like now, like I'm about to drop another EP, which is, you know, very real and people are really responding to it. I think that like as an artist, a lot of times we, we try to impress people 
Um, one of the things they actually teach at SoundPath is to be expressive, not impressive. That's like that's like our one of our mission okay. statements. And and it's like uh, it's funny. Like once I heard that, I was like, I was like, man, you know, like um, it's real because people can feel that conviction behind music. Yeah. When you when you really say it with your with your chest, you know, what I mean, people can really feel that. Say it with your chest, motherfucker. <laughs> that Kevin Hart just reminded me. Of. Yeah. But man, you're you're on point on that too because yeah, people people relate to that, and people can feel that. People can feel when you're authentic. People can feel when, um, when it's when it's not. And uh, and especially, man, through the music industry. Not that I'm some expert in by any means, but we all know that it's changing like crazy as as it has evolved from going and buying records in a record store uh, to now digital. Um, you know, there's a lot of touring involved. There's a lot of hard work that goes into it. And so you're having to find creative ways um, to do different things. And um, I know that's probably got to be uh, got to be tough. There's a lot of different components to it. And then on top of that, you're trying to have a business, trying to make a living um, at the same time, work a recovery program. So um, I'd like to kind of transition into that, if that's cool with you. And uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about um you know, some, some of your past experiences before you got sober, like what was life like and, and how, like what kind of path were you going down before you, uh, before you, uh, had the opportunity to, to make some changes? Yeah. So, um, I was, I was kind of like the normal kid growing up, uh, played like a lot of sports. I was a jock. Um, I was like in the popular crowd, you know, homecoming court and all that good stuff. And, I didn't even really do drugs during high school. Like hmm. I, um, I drank a little bit and I smoked a little bit of pot. Like, but other than that, like there was nothing, um, about halfway. Well, I'm sorry. The beginning of my senior year, um, I, I messed up my ankle in training camp really bad before football. And that was like, I played football all, all my life. Yeah. And you know, your senior year at high school, like, you know, I was going to be starting quarterback and you know, rolled my ankle like just on some dumb stuff and I was out for eight weeks and so basically missed the whole season um and I I think like after that like it really put me in this like dark spot like everything I worked so hard for my whole life just got taken from me type deal you know you know I might have over um been a little overly dramatic but you know I I mean as an 18 year old kid that's what I was that's that was my life and um I uh I started every, every, everything changed everything changed right there then for you in other words because yeah you're kind of banking yeah. on that that's that's your you almost create this identity around that and then all of a sudden boom it's taken away from you it's like who the fuck am I now Yeah exactly exactly and and um once that happened I started uh I don't know man I, some something in me switched I still don't know can't put my finger on it but um you know it was one of those things where I started um, I started selling drugs like I started selling weed and really just weed. I sold a lot of weed like my senior year of high school. And, um, because I didn't really do drugs or smoke a lot of weed, you know, I started to make a lot of money, um, to the point that where about three months before I was supposed to graduate, I dropped out of high school. Um, and I made a decision. I was going to be a full-time drug dealer. Um, I was just going to get my GED so my parents could get off my back and then just sell drugs. Um, that only lasted about a year and a half. And then like, I was about 19 when the pills really hit hard. Mm -hmm. Like when all of a sudden everybody was hooked on perks and, um, you know, so being the entrepreneur I was, I decided to, you know, uh, you know, switch my product over to that and just hanging around with people that did them all day. You know, I got curious and I tried it when I tried it, it was, it gave me that feeling I was always looking for. Um, and you know, that snowballed, I'd say over six years of me, me on that path is snowballed from, um, you know, just taking them here and there to spending all my money on it, to losing relationships and jobs. And I mean, you know, the whole nine been in jail a couple times. Um, I was on probation for six years and violated three times while on probation. Um, I've, I've been to probably 30 or 40 detoxes. Like there was a free detox place. Um, I never had insurance or anything like that growing up. So like yeah. there was a free detox place by my house and I was, 
I was a regular customer. I mean, I walked in there. They knew me. They, What's up, Mike? How you, you doing? Know? You come coming yeah, to detox yeah. today? Damn, exactly. Crazy, you know, man. so it, you know, and that that was just my path for six years. Yeah. Um. Yeah. By the end of it, you know, I was I was homeless. Um. I was on the, on the methadone clinic for like the fourth time. You know, I was still still using benzos on top of it. I was messing around with dope on top of it. You know, um, it, it was just it just progressed into like this beast to where by eight o'clock in the morning, I would take my methadone, pop a couple of Xanax. And if anybody's ever done that before, it knows it's like a super drug. And by eight, nine o'clock in the morning, I'd be drooling on myself, completely oblivious to what's going on in the world, sleeping on a bench because I'm homeless. And um, just got to the point that where I knew that I either had to get clean or I had or or I was going to die. Like I was just like, I can't live like this. So I I have to die or I have to get clean. And um, my little brother, he also struggled. Um, and he got clean when he was 21. So he was clean and, um, he was managing a halfway house in Florida. So he was like, look, man, just, just get on a plane and come down and we'll figure something out. So that's what I did. Took a leap of faith. And, um, I got down here and it's a lot different than, than Delaware where I'm from. And, uh, there, there isn't a whole bunch of free options. So, you know, I had to do it the old school way, sweat it out on a halfway house couch for three weeks, um, coming off methadone. And um, how, how old were you at this time? I was 26. 26. Yeah. So, so you did all that um, from basically like 20 to 26. Like that's a rough estimate of like, as it, as it really progressed and got, you know, got to the, the worst extent by the time you turned 26. Yeah. About, about six years, you know, about six years of just like, just going hard just 100 miles an hour for six years um when when you when you were so when you were going through that um obviously there were times when you know when you when you use use those drugs and you're high and you can escape reality um and and so you don't have to feel you kind of numb it out but what about the times where you know you you felt like you did have some um some control some some sense of of spirit and and um and feeling like how how did you feel at that time like did you know did you know that you had a a a, a bad problem that it was getting worse did you did you want to get help but you just you just couldn't find it in you to um to follow through with it like what was that part of it like like the mental prison i guess yeah i mean i knew i needed help i i knew it like i I, like I said, I'd been the detox tons of times. Yeah. Um, I went to a six month program and literally got high the day I got out. Damn. That's um, crazy. And you stayed sober for those six months. And then after that, I, I, I did much. sneak, I did sneak a pill in there one time uh-huh. in like the middle of it. But I was, so basically I was like clean for like three months, got high. No one found out, you know, waited another three months, got out, got high. Like the, literally the day I got out. Um, like the last month there you can work to save money yeah. and I had like a thousand bucks saved up and I literally went to the bus station. And I was like, I can jump on this bus to go back to my parents' house or I can jump on this bus and go to my drug dealer. And I went to my drug dealer's house. Um, you know, and it was just like, I, I just couldn't, I think the biggest thing with me, um, and something that I always try to tell people is like, yeah, we can focus on like the addiction concept and, you know, you're an addict and you can't use and, you know, the powerlessness and all that. But I think like the biggest thing for me was like setting goals and like trying to like make something of myself because I was extremely lost in life. You know, I yeah. was clean and I'm like, all right, I'm clean for six months. I'm, you know, 24 living with my parents. I make $300 a week. Like, you know, like what now it was always like that. What now experience that always took me back out. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had nothing to really live for still. Like, yeah, I was sober, but like, you know, so I might as well do what I know, what I'm good at, which is selling drugs, getting high and partying. Um, were you doing music at that time or were you attempting to, or were you messing with it a little bit, but it wasn't anything that was serious? It was, uh, it was kind of different where I'm from. There's not really a lot of outlets. Like I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, which is like 20 minutes South of Philly. Uh And, um, 
you know, it's a bad little city and all the clubs get shut down because people don't know how to act. And yeah. um, so there wasn't really a lot of outlets. I mean, I was doing music. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But, uh, you know, I had some opportunities that I definitely messed up due to drugs. Um, but like you, had I won a, this. you had a passion for it, though, I guess. I guess. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a big pa I had a big passion. I was always writing. Yeah. Always had a little studio set up in my house, you know, before I was homeless and, you know, recorded. It was just different back then. It was yeah. harder to get your music out. You know, you had MySpace. That's about it. Well, and the, the reason I kind of bring that up is because you, you said something that, that really hits home with me, too, is like I, I know I felt that way. <laughs> um big time like just lost like i didn't know who i was i didn't feel like i knew myself um i didn't feel like a man i felt like a boy like this 30 year old boy or 25 year old boy still you know and mm -hmm. i think for that you would mention like searching like i'm searching for something we're all i think you know searching for a purpose at least i know i i know i know i was at at that time in particularly and when i found something that i was passionate about and that i was able to dive into um you know that coupled with with some some recovery uh, programs and some different communities and some changes and stuff really helped um, helped to change things for me in in finding that love of something and in turn it helped me love myself and and all this of course I'm sure you're very familiar with in going through recovery programs and learning these things by talking to other people and putting ourselves out there um, was that something that you kind of found in in your music like once you once you kind of got sobered up. Um, did music help you along in that process? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was funny. Like people used to at the halfway house, like used to get on me because like I would just sit in my room when I wasn't working or anything and just like have the headphones on and would just write. Yeah. And like it was it was just really therapeutic to me. Like, you know, it was crazy too getting sober. Like I had to learn how to rap again. Yeah. Like I sucked when I first got sober. I was horrible. <laughs> And like, you know, I listened to music like the, you know, that I made when I had like eight months sober the first time in the studio again. Uh -huh. And it's horrible. And uh, <laughs> well, it's a whole different vibe, man. It's a whole different yeah. experience because you're not in that that element of of drugs and alcohol to kind of, you know, I guess I don't want to say lift you up, but it's definitely completely different. How did yeah, you was, how did you find like, the new how did you find the new style like the new sober mic like how did that kind of did it just kind of come out of with doing it or was there something that you really had to be patient with and just kind of let it let it evolve on its own Yeah it was like it, it it wasn't really the uh like the lyrics were always there I was always I always could write yeah. um like I was in gifted programs all my life for expressive writing like at my writing levels, I suck at math, but my writing levels are super high. So yeah. um, I was always really good with like communicating. So I could write. It was just like, it wasn't like actually rapping. And then, oh my God, my first show down here, like at an open mic, like I was, I was as stiff as the mic stand, you know, like, <laughs> and like, you know, it, I think it was just something like, you know, just doing it and doing it. And then as I, you know, continue to like actually work on myself and recover um i started to like get that that self-esteem and that self-confidence back yeah, yeah and then and then i got to the point to where i didn't care what anybody else thought about me so like i'm just gonna go fully hard i'm not gonna overthink about it i'm just gonna like have fun do me if you don't like my music then like that's cool if you like it like that's cool like i don't care either way yeah. and once I got to that point, you know, I became the artist that I am now. Yeah, I think uh, you said have fun, man. And that's that's such a huge thing uh, just in life in general, even for those who aren't in recovery, just trying to have genuine fun and genuine joy and feel that in the day to day grind. It can be tough sometimes. We all got responsibilities. Uh, some of us have families. We have jobs. We have all those types of things. And then you you throw in the element of recovery and they're trying to stay sober. Um, it can be tough t to laugh just to have some genuine fun sometimes. Um, it's such an important element of life, I think. And when you're doing something that you love, sometimes it's it's hard to find that when it starts to get too serious. And I'm, I'm only bringing this up right now because like with the podcast thing, uh, you know, obviously recovery is a serious topic. We talk about a lot of serious shit. People have gnarly stories and they've been through some shit in their lives that, um, you know, uh, some human beings should not have to experience. Um, at that, how do you kind of flip that and, and enjoy the day to day by like living in the moment? So, um, 
let me let me let me stop and kind of ask you a question i guess in in all of this that i just rambled on about like what do you do like what do you do in your recovery program um to have fun man like how do you how do you how do you be light and enjoy each day i you know at this point like i just try to live like a a regular human being like i the one thing that I see happens a lot is like people get stuck in like this recovery bubble Yeah, where like all they do is like, you know, like go to meetings and go to coffee shops and go bowling with like people from their home group. And like, you know, it's like a monotonous thing and like they're yeah. scared, to, like, you know, like be a, like a normal person, you know? And like, like 80% of my friends, my closest friends are not in recovery. You know, like I go out all the time and, 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 you know, they're at the bar drinking and, you know, people always say, you know, go to the barber shop enough, you get a haircut and all that <laughs> stuff. But it's like, it's like, no, it's like, no, it's like, if you don't sit in the chair, you don't get a haircut. Like I can yeah. sit there all day and, and shoot the shit with somebody, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, that's the thing with me is like, I live a very, very normal life. Like I have regular friends, like, yes, they drink. But guess what? They're not alcoholics. Like they might smoke weed here and there. Guess what? They're not addicts. Like I hate that like that that misconception of like anyone that drinks or like uses a, a some kind of drug recreationally like is a bad person. Yeah. Because like at the end of the day, like the drugs and the alcohol is the smallest part of what we have going on with us. And you know the biggest thing that I always take out of the program is principles over personalities. So someone's personality, just because they, they drink or something like that, or whatever it may be, like, as long as they're good people, like they're kind, they, you know, they take care of the responsibilities. They, you know, they have that, that glue to them. Like, that's all that matters to me. That's the people that I like to hang around with. Like, like hood hippie, that's it's, it's about 10 of us. Uh -huh. These guys, these guys, all of us are ex drug dealers. Uh, a lot of these guys are, are felons, uh, ex gang members. Well, I'm not going to, you know, like they were wrapped yeah. up in gangs. Yeah. Like four of them are, are legit blood members. Um, you know, but they don't engage in those activities anymore. Like the, that was one of the things that I did in my recovery to take what I learned and give it to other people. You know, I, I risked a lot. I got a house. I built a studio in it and I moved these guys from Wilmington, you know, which is if anybody know, can research Wilmington, Delaware, and they don't realize it, it's one of the worst cities in the country right now for murders and violence. Really? Uh, but yeah, but it's it's yeah. ranked, I think, number six um, per capita. It would have more murders than Chicago. Just just being uh, the community size versus to to uh, yeah. how many murders there are in other words. It's only it's only sixty thousand people, and I think like ninety seven people have been murdered so far this year. Damn, that's crazy. So, Probably yeah, a lot so of those drug related, I would imagine. Yeah, it's it's really bad. A lot of young kids, um, you know, people. That, that's really what it is. It's these kids growing up with no guidance because their parents yep. are strung out. Everybody's on pills or dope, and mm. it's a it's a crazy city. But you know, I I got them out. You know, yeah. and. And now they, they all have jobs. They, 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 one just got his own place, moved his family down. Like, you know, like, and this is stuff that I try to tell people, like, we're supposed to practice what we learn in all of our affairs, not just keep it in a church basement or at inner group, or, you know, we're supposed to like really spread this love that we, and this compassion that we receive to everybody we come across. And I think that's like, one of the biggest things that I like to preach is like, don't restrict yourself with recovery. Like, like recovery is a way to live. It's, it's not like, it's, it's not like a, it's, it's a path. It's just a way to live. It's, it's not like this, this restriction list, you know? And yeah. I think that's how I keep myself happy. It's like, I just live like a normal human being. Yeah, man. No, it's such a great point, dude. I mean, I know I've woken up many days and I just, I just want to just, I say this sometimes. I just want to be fucking normal. I just want to live a normal life. I know I have an issue with drugs and alcohol, but it's funny. Drugs and alcohol, we, we tend to demonize it so much, 
Um, obviously, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that drugs and alcohol are not a problem, especially on a you know distribution level when people are dealing drugs to in, in different cities, and it's it's a huge issue. But what I am saying is that when we look at it from an individual perspective, drugs and alcohol are not the the ultimate problem for me. It's a me problem. It's me, and I have to I have to take that on and be responsible for that and 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 fix myself you know what i'm saying and so i think that's yeah. a good point in not getting boxed in in this little bubble where we're safe and we're you know we're not exposed to the outside stuff and then we're not practicing those principles of reaching out and helping other people that still may be going through it because i know for me when i see somebody who is fucking strung out or they're having a hard time dude it's tough because it does it brings back it brings back feelings and your your immediate response is maybe like oh shit man that's man i don't know if i but that's that's not doing justice to the program. I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and that's that's one of the things that I, to be honest, I hate about um, the. I don't know. I guess I guess I say like can say like as the more and more recovery becomes mainstream. Yeah. The the more and more the atmosphere of it changes where, like I don't think a lot of people fully understand it, and then you have a lot of people that are like spokesmen of it that don't understand it, and they pollute people's minds. Like, there's like, a, like this is like one of the the biggest things I hate. Um, I saw like there's there's a couple groups that have like these T-shirts and stuff like that, and it says shoot your local heroin dealer. Yeah, right? I saw those, dude. Those are fucking whack, dude. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like. And, and, and like, I try, I always argue, you know, and, and people will like in these recovery groups be sharing like these articles of like drug dealers busted and they're like, oh, they should just kill them all and yeah. this and that. And it's like, and it's like, all right, like, you know, just how like, just how like me and you have the disease of addiction and like we, we experimented with drugs and it, and it, it was something that we didn't expect to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these drug dealers you know, what people have to understand is like they grow, they grow up and most of them grow up in communities that have no opportunity. Yeah. You know, they don't have a lot of guidance. Um, they're very poor. And somebody says, hey, man, look, you sell this, you can they see a way out. Just how we see a way out with drugs, with our emotions, they see a way, a way out physically, um, you know, with with selling drugs. And that's why I, I try to reach out to not only addicts, but, you know, gang members, people that sell drugs, people that. I, look, man, if you're struggling with something, I don't care what it is, like, I'm going to take these same lessons and try to use them to, to help you make your life better yeah. the right way, you know, and, and that, that's what I'm saying. I hate the, I hate how everybody's always saying we need to end the stigma on addiction, but then, like, you are so quick to persecute other people yeah. that have their own, you know, like, oh, he's a pervert because he's a sex addict yeah. or, oh, he's a he's a, he, we should kill him because he sells drugs, you know, like, no, like we have to have this same compassion that we ask for, you know? Yeah. It kind of goes against the whole, the whole concept. I mean, it, it's like super hypocritical, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, doesn't really make, make much sense. Um, I'm glad you bring it up too, because it is real. Like we're, we're trying to reach out and we got to be, um, we got to remember where we came from, I guess, <laughs> to a point yeah. which, uh, which, you know, when we start, when we start doing well, sometimes, um, it's easy to let that ego get, uh, you know, to, to let the ego grow. So I think, you know, if we are talking about recovery programs and stuff, I didn't have a sponsor for a long time. And I, I, I kind of thought like, you know, um, I kind of thought I was doing okay. And I guess I was doing okay. But uh, when I, when I finally did get a sponsor and it wasn't like a force thing too, cause I, I always hated that. How people you get out and you get a sponsor immediately. Like I get it. I'm not, I'm not advising anybody to not do that. If that's, you know, it's, you know, whatever works best for you. But when it was forced and people tell me what to do, I didn't want to do it for some reason. And so when it kind of, when it worked itself out and I found a sponsor and stuff and have that, that guidance um, from somebody to help. And it could be a friend too. I mean, maybe you don't have to put a label on it. That's a sponsor. Maybe it's a community of folks that help that, that are real with you, that help to keep you in check. Um, and, and will tell you, Hey, like you're, uh, you know, you're kind of stepping out of line here or you're kind of being a dick or whatever it is. Like we definitely need that in our lives and surrounding ourselves in positive communities and not ones that, um, that can bring us down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where you got to practice what you preach at the end of the day, 
<laughs> you know, I, sure. that, that's how I feel, man. Like you have to practice what you preach. So I want to, um, I, I just have a couple more questions for you and then we'll wrap this thing up, man. Um, yeah, no problem. What, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that is, uh, I should probably start a separate show about this. Um, but, uh, <laughs> so I'll kind of leave it, I'll kind of leave it general and vague and maybe you and I can chat more about this later on or something. But, um, one of the things in, you know, that's obviously going on in society, in our culture, in this country right now, it's very divided. It's very divided between, um, you know, between race, religion, um, all that stuff. Now to me, um, there's a very, um, there's a, there's a very, um, precise and, um, organized, you know, kind of plan to, to execute these types of things. And the one thing I love about recovery or addiction or whatever, it's a movement that doesn't discriminate. It comes together. It's all different people, gay, straight, black, white, fat, skinny. Uh, I mean, any, any kinds of people, we all, we all have that same thing and it's helping to bring uh, people together. Um, I just kind of wanted to hear your take on, on, um, you know, without getting too specific or actually get to get specific, specific if you feel like it. Um, but like, do you, do you kind of feel that? Do you feel the division going on? And then do you kind of feel at least how in, in the recovery community, there is some unity there that's, that's helping to bring folks together? Yeah, that's something, that's something that I always, always, always preach that. I, I mean, I always say, like, I think, I always say, I think the world could benefit from doing a 12 step program. Yeah. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, cause you know, I mean, only one step's really about alcohol and drugs. Yeah. Um, everything <laughs> else is about other stuff. So. You know, I always tell people like that's one thing like I, I, I uh, talk to my guys about, like I said, you know, a lot of those guys are from bad areas. Um, the majority of them are African-American, you know, or Spanish. So, you know, they dealt with a lot of stuff I didn't have to deal with. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, they do have some of that, um, I guess, uh, that lack of trust, you know, towards yeah. people of different places and things like that, because they have a different perspective. And, you know, um, I, I, I always you know, preach to them that like, look, man, you got to just surround yourself by, with similar principles. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, if, 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 if I'm white, you're black, you know, he's Spanish and, you know, he's Muslim, I'm Christian and he's an atheist, but like, we kind of all believe in the same life philosophies. Like that's what we have to look at. And that's something, I mean, that is why we're at where we are. And, and, um, you know, I'm a big, like, uh, I, I wouldn't say a, a conspiracy theorist because I, I think that like, that's like a term to make people term. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's only a conspiracy because the, because the media says so. Yeah. Um, dude, exactly. the problem. But a lot of these labels and boundaries have been placed on people to do exactly what it's doing today. Cause yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, the only people that benefit from white privilege or things like that are like this, this top 1% of people, you know? And if, if, out of just pure numbers if everybody was unified you know people couldn't pull half the the, the bullshit they do nowadays yeah. so um you know but they, what that's they why that divide, divide and conquer strategy yeah. is always is always so relevant and that's that's what the the, the mean especially the mainstream media um really tries to accomplish with that um so it's it's been hard for me to um, especially on this show to kind of, cause I always want to just keep it about the same type of you know stuff, but I, I, I feel like it's starting to fall in into that sometimes. And it does kind of coincide with recovery to an extent, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's legit right there. The, the song on my, on my EP called lied to you. Uh, -huh. uh I think you had a SoundCloud link. You listen to that after the show, because that's exactly what that song is about. Um, it's called lied, lied to you. Um, lied to it's all you. about, okay. yeah, it's just, just getting lied to by the media and the, the, the general public's, you know, thoughts and telling you that you look this way, you look that way, you do this, you do that. So you can only achieve these certain things. And, you know, like the, the, the black guy from the hood can only be a basketball player, a dope dealer, the white yeah. guy from the burbs, he can't be a rapper. He can yeah. only be a a business owner. And, and when he is a business owner, it's probably all given to him because he's a rich white kid. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, like these, just these certain like thoughts, that social engineering. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that, that's For real. what it is. Hey. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, yeah, we're gonna have to chat more about this at a later date. I'm sure about that. Uh, let, let me, I got two more for you. Uh, first one, top three hip hop artists of all time. <laughs> oh man. 
this is or like, give me your three favorite uh yeah all right so i'm just gonna put it out like this like um my favorite of all time the, the person i think the greatest rapper of all time is jay-z um and simply because um you know i'm a huge tupac fan a huge uh biggie fan yeah, yeah they were yeah. great but i'm just talking about like the length of like success that man had and if you really go through his catalog like he doesn't have a bad song yeah and he has 500 songs 600 songs out you know and uh he, he that's just that's like my role that's who i look up to in music um i would say him biggie and damn this is this is, this is always hard this is the hard <laughs> part there's so many i, I like man but I, maybe eminem um yeah. but, but eminem when he's on his uh when he's actually like on his his game because Eminem did have like a time where he put out a lot of trash music. What what's up with him, man? I haven't heard much about him in in quite quite a while. I don't know if there's something I'm missing or I was I was thinking about that the other day because every once in a while I'll put in the recovery album. That's one of my favorite albums he did, I think, because um it I thought it was real and I thought there was a lot of great content in there about what he was going through. Um and yeah. it was it was highly relatable of course uh to my own struggles. Um, but I don't know if do you is he put out any new music? Is he still is he still doing shit? Like what's what's up yeah. with him? He just did a he just he's doing a lot of features with people from what yeah. I see. I mean, you gotta realize, man, he's like in his mid forties. He's yeah. a multi millionaire. Like you know, like what does he need to rap for? <laughs> you know, what I mean? know. Like, that's, you know, that's like, so true. You know, he busted his ass for twenty years and he's super yeah. rich. And, you know. um, well, touring, touring's got to be a tough, a tough uh, job, especially for that many years, over and over, constantly being gone. Especially if you got kids, so I would imagine at some point you want to stop and fucking create a clothing or a beverage company and just kick back on your couch and uh, watch some movies or something, you know? Yeah, he's pushing other artists though. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like I just, um, I just toured with, I toured with Bubba Sparks, and I just did a mini tour with Jelly Roll. Um, nice. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Jelly Roll, but he's, yeah. he's really dope. He's like an underground artist, but uh, they all mess with Slum American, which is under Shady Records through Yellow Wolf. Um, Yellow so you, like he has like a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. Um, I do know that from just talking to them, um, trying to get Yellow Wolf. I think Yellow Wolf's probably the person he wants to push, but yeah. he's having his own fight with his own demons right now. So they made him. Really? Um, yeah, they, they, they made him kind of take a step back and get his mind right until, uh, you know, and then they're going to go ahead and push him. That trunk, that trunk music album he put out, dude, I like, seriously, I had my daughter around that time when that came out, uh, she was just a baby and, um, uh, my box Chevy was the only song I could get her to go to sleep to. I don't know if it was like the, the little, just like the lullaby part in the beginning, kind of that song, that whole album though is super dope. That's one of those albums that like I'll put in and I'll just, it, it, you know how music can take you to a, a place back in time, like this feeling that you get. And it's so, so crazy, man. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, two, two other, Oh wait, who was your third? Who was your third? Did you say the third or no? I, I think I yeah, started talking. Daisy, Biggie and Eminem. Oh, and Eminem. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's what we started talking about. Eminem. That's what it was. Okay. Two more quick ones. What, what made you get clean, man? What was that? What was that kind of light bulb moment for you? Uh, man, I just got tired of, like I said, man, I, I, I knew I had to get clean or I had to die and I was scared to die at the end of the day, yeah. you know? If anyone out there is listening right now, they're struggling, they're going through it, or they got a loved one who's struggling going through it right now, um, they want to help, they want to get help, or they want to help them. Um, they don't know what to do, where to turn. Um, maybe not necessarily uh, giving resources, but what kind of advice can you give them? We'll, we'll make sure we have resources in the show notes on Sober Guy page, uh, of course. But what kind of advice could you give them, or just some hope or thoughts you could give them uh, to to help uh, steer them in the right direction, Mike? Mm. Just, uh, man, just, but my whole thing is, is it can't be any worse than what they're going through now. You know, being yeah. clean, it's scary and uncomfortable, but, you know, if you just get through the first couple months of the uncomfortability and, you know, the first year of your brain not <laughs> working right because you've been messing it up for so long, um, you know, after that, man, it's, it's really, uh, there's, there's endless possibilities and it's not always easy. And, you know, 
um, <laughs> especially once you get clean for a couple of years, that's when re- life really shows up. And yeah. really, you know, <laughs> that's when it really that's gets stressful. Sure. The halfway house life is easy compared to real life. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, like I would just say the more structure, the better in the beginning. Um, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big, big, big advocate for, um, some kind of aftercare program after detox or treatment, even if it's just a good sober living house, like the more accountability, the better. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a mid twenties guy, like most of the people that get clean, you know, don't go live at your parents' house. Um, you know, go somewhere that's structured and just do stuff differently than, than you've been doing your whole life. And, you know, you're going to get different results. That's just yeah. what it comes down to. Right on, Mike. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, uh, find more about your music, um, uh, social media accounts, anything like that, uh, where could they find you at? Um, you can, um, Facebook's usually the best. Uh, you can send me a personal friend request to Mike Gambo, G-A-M-B-O, or you can follow my fan page, uh, G-A-M-B-O. Um and, you know, also follow the Sound Path Recovery page, um, which is just Sound Path, one word, recovery on Facebook. Um, you know, pretty much reach me at any of those things. I would say that's the, that's the best. I really don't do Twitter. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Gambo302. Um, and, yeah, that's really the only social media stuff I mess with. Right I suck at Twitter, so. Yeah, I know that's not it's not one of my favorites. Uh, one of my favorites either. I feel like I get lost in it sometimes. I try to do do stuff. There, there's definitely some pros out there that uh, can handle that kind of stuff. But um, hey, dude, thank you so much, man, for coming on today. Uh, dude, I, I appreciate the hell out of your work. You're doing some great work, some great music, and some great work in the recovery uh, industry and helping a lot of folks out there, man. So good on you, my friend, and uh, thank you for coming on Sober Guy Radio, man. I appreciate it. No problem, bro. Thank you. Hey, I'll uh, I'll actually be out in Nashville at the Foundations event. So. Oh yeah, so you're gonna be there? Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna be out there. Oh, nice, um, dude. Sweet. Yep. And then I go on tour straight from there. I drive to Cincinnati for the first thing of a ten day tour. So getting it. Uh, Love it, man. <laughs> yeah. So I'll see you. I'll see you out there. I'll say what's up. For more information, go to that soberguy.com. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood. 